0: Would you open God's precious holy word to Luke chapter 20, verses 19 through 26. Let's read the whole passage and then I want to bring four points to your attention that I think directly applies to us from this teaching of Jesus We live in two worlds as Christians and the chief priests and scribes sought him to lay hands on him in that hour and they feared the people for they perceived that he was speaking this parable against them. Now that's the previous parable we studied last time, the one about the vineyard. The tenant farmers, when they had questioned Christ regarding his authority to teach and his authority to cast out the money changers and so forth, these so-called religious leaders of, of Israel, of the Jews, were always there to criticize. And so they noted how the masses... Now, we're just a couple of days before the crucifixion here. The masses of the people were hanging on. The Bible said every word he spoke. They were listening to his teaching. And because he had such control over the crowd, with his teaching, the the leaders of Judaism feared the people. They wanted to kill Jesus. He had torn down everything that gave to them their esteem. And their lofty position among the Jews. But they saw how the people adored every word that Christ was teaching. Because they knew that this parable of the vineyard was about them. That they were going to lose their position of leadership and authority. And it was going to be given to others. Having watched him, they sent spies pretending themselves to be righteous that they might catch him in talk in order to deliver him to the rule and authority of the governor. Because of the season, the Passover season, and because of the immense multitude, the vast multitude that had come from around the world, the Jews and the proselytes, who had come for this Passover season, hundreds of thousands, as many as two to three million, Pontius Pilate, who didn't generally stay in that area, was there because of the time of the year, knowing that there could be trouble. So Pontius Pilate was there. They want to listen to everything Jesus says to see if there's something they could use against him to turn him over to the authority of the governor. We'll talk more about that in a minute. They questioned him saying, teacher, we know that you speak and teach and receive no person, but teach the way of God on the basis of truth. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar? But having perceived their craftiness, He said to them, show me a denarius, of whom has it then image and inscription? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, therefore give back the things of Caesar to Caesar, and the things of God to God. And they were not able to catch him in his word before the people and having marveled at his answer, they became silent. There is a, a set of circumstances here presented in that day that gives an issue with which even today, we must struggle and deal with. The two spheres, the the two realms, the two worlds in which we live as Christians. There are some things about the world to which we must defer, and the Bible teaches us that. So let's think about this and how we, in our spiritual lives, deal with the world today. Christ gives the teaching here. The first thing we should always remember. Now, let me, these points are fairly simple, and they come really from studying the Word of God. We have an armor. We have a radar, we have a sensitivity that is ours if we just feed ourselves the Word of God. There are a lot of so-called Christians, I can't judge their spiritual lives, I, I, I'd get it wrong, probably. But a lot of folks who think of themselves as Christians are adapting to worldly thought in many areas which are diametrically opposed to the teaching of Scripture. My only conclusion is that these people are just not taught. They don't understand. They're not students of the Word. One thing that the Word teaches us, and we see it here, And and this was the closest religion you could think of to God in the day, Judaism, there in the middle of where Christ was. We should always remember this as Christians. The world detests Christ. Sooner or later, the world cannot coexist with Christ. Christ. Let's look at this here again. The chief prescribes sought him to lay hands on him in that hour. But they feared the people. You see, look, if you do what is biblical and, and, and what is in your heart, you don't fear the people. But they perceived that he was speaking this parable against them. They detested Christ. We see here they want to lay hands on him, they want to kill him, they want him dead. The world cannot stand him. And the best thing that the enemies of Christ can do when it seems that the teachings of Christ are becoming too special in the hearts of people, the the, the last thing they can hope to do is to turn Caesar against Christ. Now, Now Caesar is symbolic for any kind of earthly government. There was only one theocracy on which the son of David sat as king there by the throne. And that was, of course, in Jerusalem in a day gone by in the Old Testament. In first of all, Israel as David and Solomon. But then after Solomon, the southern kingdom of Judah. And then it came to an end with the Babylonian captive because of the the sin of the people. There are no theocracies today. There are no civil governments calling upon the blessing and the approval of the church. Now, there may be political leaders, political parties, whatever, that call on so called Christian leaders to endorse them or whatever. This, this doesn't have anything to do that. At the end of all things, finally, Caesar cannot cohabit. With Christ. It cannot happen. At the end of all things. The world. So we have to keep it in our minds. The the governments. Government leaders. Political people. They cannot accept. The word of God is absolute truth. Now believers do. We have to. We don't have. That's. Now, I would doubt your spirituality if you doubted the Word of God. I don't know how you could be saved apart from the Word of God. W.A. would used, to, do, w. A. Chriswell used to, do, to talk about those people. He called them half-infidels. Most of them were seminary teachers. Well, that's true. He said they believe that the Bible is inspired in spots, and they're inspired to pick out the spots. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. So we understand from immersing ourselves into the blessed holy word of God that the world detests Christ. Now there may be a facade, there may be be flowers and perfume and there may be a time of courtship where The world seems to adore and worship. It's going to come to an end wherever it is. It's going to come to an end because it's not a theocracy. They cannot accept absolute truth. They have to think that it's inspired in spots until finally they deny and defy the whole thing. So here, these were very deceptive and hypocritical people. We're going to see that in just a second as well in what they say to Christ. They understood that he was telling them that their ride in religious leadership was over. Now you and I have studied the book of Luke already and some of the other gospels as well. That the Pharisees, for example, had made themselves very wealthy just by being Pharisees. Now how do you get to be wealthy being a religious leader or a leader of any kind. Well, you have to abuse the people. You have to take advantage of the people who are expected to look up to you. The question is fairly asked of any servant of the people. If he is a servant of the people, how does he ascend into great wealth if he is a servant of the people? Something seems wrong there. Nothing wrong with wealth. Hard work, ingenuity, the blessing of God. These things can occur and should occur. But there's something wrong in the case of these priests and scribes when they become elitists In the positions to which they are elevated, positions that are supposed to be servants of the people. How do they get there? How does this happen? Because they abuse the people to the point that they actually make the people think that they are above the people. Now, the, the, the Jews were suffering from this. Christ knew it. They cannot hold on to these high positions of esteem and prominence if the teachings of Christ are finally adopted into the hearts of the people. This is dangerous to them. They are desperate here. But they can't do a frontal assault Because the people are hanging on to every word. So what then? What are they going to do? The world will make any kind of alliance at all with other parts of the world in the world's system to conspire against Christ. To assure That the people of God, the Word of God, the Christ of God, are never elevated above the leaders of the world. They can't. That's why there's coming a kingdom to put down all other kingdoms. Finally, the Gentile system fails utterly. It's in free fall right now, in my opinion. It will utterly fail. So, The people of God have such power and such resources if they'll just trust God and believe the Bible. And if they'll join hands with one another, the power of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But the world suffers because the church falters in its own sin. Here then are strange bedfellows, I guess. All right, you have uh, the scribes and the priests. You have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians. The Herodians really weren't even real Jews. But they were a political, they were a party, they were a sect of Judaism who really didn't believe anything except they believed in government. And so they were joined at the hip with Herod, thus they were called Herodians. And if they were joined with Herod, they were joined with Rome because Herod got his power from Rome. They were tattletales directly to Rome if they needed to be, if it could make them look good in the sight of Rome, the government of the world. They worshiped government. The Sadducees were the religious liberals. They didn't believe in anything. But what they did in Judaism made them wealthy and kept them wealthy. The Pharisees had taken bits and pieces of the word of God and taken the text out of context and were creating an entire an entirely new manuscript, the Talmud that, that would that would displace the law of God. And this is what Christ stood so much against, that they they took the precepts of men and taught them as the doctrines of God. Traditional things that you can't find in the Bible. The people of God have always suffered from that, where tradition becomes so powerful that it displaces the actual Bible itself. So you had the Pharisees, the priests, who were about as political, political as they, they were, they were power. We saw all the money changers. I, I told you how they made their money. This was, this was a wealthy thing for them, especially Passover. Man, they could make enough money to live for the rest of their lives just in one Passover. Because of the system they had set up with the money changers. Scribes. Priests, Pharisees, Sadducees—they were you now. You have to get this in reading all the reading all of the other gospel accounts, put them together. But they all agreed that man. They hated each other on any other day of the week, except now. They all agreed we can't let this Jesus go any further. We have to have a plan to stop him. It's the same way. With the world, I I have noted in recent months in our own country how false godless religion, though hating everything about. Any part of the political system of our nation will conspire with a particular wing of our country even though they have nothing in common other than the fact that they detest Christ, the Word of God. Christians. Can't let them get too far. Can't let them do too much. Can't let them give too much of this absolute truth because the truth sets you free. It's very difficult to enslave people whose hearts are free. Strange alliances. And we read this in the Bible as well. We read it here in this context with these five groups that just otherwise have nothing in common. Except their hatred for Christ. The things of Christ. So the second thing we understand in this world is that the world will do anything that it has to do in the strange groups that come together who otherwise despise each other and would destroy one another, except when they come together in their hatred for Christ, the things of Christ, the blessed holy word of God. They hate it. And the world... Has to oppose it. Stand against it. Number three. Well, let's read the scripture first. Having one, they sent spies. They pretended to be righteous so they could listen to him to deliver him over to the of authority of the Here's the deal. The throngs of the people were hanging on to every word Christ was teaching, the Bible said. They only have one other thing, they can't get him. Quote, religiously, they have to get him politically. Okay, so if someone is presented as the Messiah and if he is received as the Messiah, the prevailing thought was that he must defeat the Gentile rule and establish the kingdom. In order to do that, he would have to overthrow Rome. Thus, he could be charged with insurrection. Now, that was, of course, a punishment to death. Brought with it a punishment to death, capital crime. So here's what they begin to do. All right, we're going to we're going to conspire together and we're going to finally catch him in something, and Rome is going to have to arrest him. We've, we've lost control of our own people, but we, we have one, we have one option left, and that is to get Rome to kill him. Somehow, if he's going to be proclaiming to be the Messiah. And if he's going to be accepted by the people as the Messiah, he'll have to be presented as someone who at the last will finally overthrow Gentile powers. This is what the prophets say about the Messiah. You see, this was the problem with the religious folks of that day. They had totally ignored, I've told you this a lot of times, they have totally ignored the prophecies of the suffering Christ. Totally left it out. They're again inspired in spots and they're inspired to pick out the spots. You have to take the Bible in totality. You have to take it line upon line. You have to take it just as it's presented. The Holy Spirit did not randomly give us the Word of God. It has methodology and orthodoxy. It has deep meaning and we have to follow it just like it's given. The Holy Spirit, those people who, have, who are born again have the Spirit of God in us. Then we will be enlightened in a very special and divine way, supernatural way. We're enlightened to what it means. But here are people who are more interested in the traditions of men And in those traditions that have elevated them into positions that brought them money by abusing the people and making them elitists before the people, they couldn't stand, they didn't didn't invite the multitudes of other Jews to their luncheons, to to their parties, to their they didn't, they didn't want to be around them. They were above those people. Everybody else was beneath them. But somehow the system had worked itself so that these people had wealth and power and esteem over the, over the masses of the people except for how Jesus was teaching. This was very dangerous to them. Jesus had told them in the parable, it's going to be taken from you and given to someone else. And it was 35 years or so later when the Romans totally leveled the city dispersed and displaced and killed and murdered Jews and the system of Judaism totally collapsed. They couldn't even keep up with their genealogy anymore. They couldn't even keep up with who was a priest anymore because the Romans so thoroughly even destroyed their records, their family records and genealogies and so forth. So this is something that shakes them. We can't turn our religious authority over to a bunch of Nazarenes and and a a bunch of other people who are listening to this guy who only wants to hang on to the word of God. And so their, their final ploy would be to somehow bring in Pontius Pilate the Roman authority, somehow to accuse Christ of insurrection. Now, Christ knows he's headed to the cross. He has no intention, of course, of establishing the kingdom at that time. He'd even taught. You have to read Matthew 24. He had even taught and would teach, and we're going to see some of this a little later in Luke. He's teaching the people about the glorious second coming. He even teaches them. He doesn't avoid all of that. He's told them he's going to have to die first. This is all in keeping with scripture. But the people had been taught the Bible in a biased sort of way. And were frankly ignorant of the truth of the whole of the doctrine of the Messiah from the Old Testament. So, what happens is this. Strange alliances And really because of their ignorance, their willful ignorance, the people couldn't keep up with what was happening. You see, they knew, these religious leaders knew if somehow they could present Jesus as a Messiah who was unable or simply refused to overthrow Rome then the masses who now followed him so closely would reject him. This is not the guy I thought he was when really he is, and they didn't know it. The one they needed more than that great conqueror on a white horse. They needed the blessed Christ to hang on the cross for them. So The world's plaudits of Christ are never what they seem to be. Listen to what they said to Jesus. They questioned him saying teacher. or they called him teacher. You can see through this. This makes you want to throw up. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach and receive no person but teach the way of God on the basis of truth. If they believed that, they'd be on their faces. They'd take off all those fancy robes. And you you see, these are the guys, you remember we saw it last time, these are the guys that refused the baptism of John. We have no need of repentance. We are perfectly prepared to receive the Messiah. We have no spiritual needs within ourselves. That's who these guys are. No, but they come in hypocrisy with lies. We know that you teach the way of God. On the basis of truth, here comes the kicker. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar? Let me see if I can go through this again. We talked about this some time back. The people, you had to pay a tax just to live. That was a census tax. If you were dead, you didn't have to pay a tax. I don't think. You paid an income tax, 1%. Paid tax, an exorbitant tax on the wine and the oil that you produced. You paid bridge and port taxes so if anything that you enjoyed in goods or services came in from somewhere, you just had to pay a tax on it. Everything was taxed. And the Jews despised it. They saw it as giving money to paganism. Giving money to a, a, a pagan worship style, and they just despised it. So they think they have trapped Jesus. But in order, in order to ruin Christ, they brag on him. They, they give him wonderful words of flattery, You're a teacher. Now that that was something just, that was a hard title to get in that culture. We know that you don't fool around with anybody that doesn't stand for the truth. We know that you don't honor people just for the sake that they're people and that they might be in a position that's high. We know that you don't do that. We know that you teach the way of God on the basis of truth, absolute truth. Is it lawful? Now that word lawful, of course, references the law for Jews, Mosaic law. Is it lawful, this pagan guy whose government is pagan, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar? Finally, And this is where we have to be very wise. What is the world's belongs to the world. But what belongs to God is God's. So here's Christ's answer. You remember it? He perceived their trickery, their craftiness. And he said to them, Show me a denarius. You couldn't pay taxes to Rome except in Roman money. Now, the temple had its own money. They had to pay taxes in the temple. That wasn't a question, see. That would affect the scribes and the, the, and the priests. We're not, we're not talking temple tax here. We're talking Roman tax. Okay, so he didn't ask for a a temple shekel. He asked for a Roman denarius. For 600 years, from about the 300s B.C. to the 300s A.D., Rome minted coins in either silver or gold. And according to who the Caesar was at that time, the image of that Caesar was imprinted on that coin. So a denarius would have the image of the Caesar who was Caesar at the time that the coin was minted. Show me a denarius whose image and whose name are on the coin. Caesar's. then give back the things that belong to Caesar to Caesar and the things of God to God. We live in two worlds as Christians. We need to be very discerning. Is there ever a time when we cannot perfectly obey the government that rules over us in this world. So we have this question on the table. Now let's think about what Christ is saying. Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. One thing that Rome intended to do was to maintain the peace wherever there was a part of the Roman Empire the Romans would maintain the peace Romans 13 we're taught in the Bible that no government exists unless it's ordained of God now there have been a few times I've choked on that one but I knew it was there, and I knew that God was up to something. God is always up to something. Sometimes under some presidencies, your faith may have grown. Maybe you started praying and you didn't used to pray so much. Well, it had its effect, right? Maybe in times of some presidencies, you offered up praise and glory like you'd never done before. Well, you learned something. Here's the deal everything, everything is divinely appointed. Now, it's confusing sometimes, but I'm not God. God says my ways are above your ways. I have to trust God. So the Bible teaches me that I am under a magistrate, a governmental authority that is ordained of God. It wouldn't exist if God didn't allow it to exist. So there's something in there that's good for me and I'm going to have to accept that. And I'm going to have to render to Caesar that that which is Caesar's. Every April 15th. Caesar is mean to me. Mean. Pastor road tax not long ago in Alabama, going to have to pay more for my gasoline. Oh. man, show me the list of those people who voted for that bill. As I go down the chuck holes, you know. I, everything has a reason. I don't like it. I don't like anybody I don't I don't like it. But I'll pick up a I'll pick up a piece of money. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it there's there's some president or some person who is important in the government. And then somewhere else it says, In God we trust. <laughs> so it's kind of oxymoronish. It's kind of a manic depressive thing. I glory in God and wonder about that other guy there. Here's the wisdom of heaven in this present life, this is not the kingdom of God. I'm an heir of the king. I am enthroned with Christ. That kingdom is not here yet. I can't run for office because I believe in absolute truth. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd get any votes. How do you feel about this? Social issue, this moral issue, well, where does it stack up with the Bible? How many votes you think I'm going to (laughs) get? But I'm expecting someday, some infinitely glorious day, I'm expecting to be the mayor of San Francisco. (laughs) I got policies. I'll be granted authority. I'll be given power and authority, but not now. I like to go to my faucet, turn it on, and get clean water. I like that. I don't like to smell anything in my water or see brown water. And I know that there's a cost to that. And I pay for that. That's part of what I do. That's what we do. We have peace. We have peace in our society. God help us. Sometimes we wonder what's headed, what's coming, but we have peace. It's because there are people who are laying their lives down for us to keep us at peace. And I pay for that. You pay for that. I prefer to live in an orderly society rather than to live in a chaotic society. I see on the news the awful and horrible and tragic things that come when there is no order in society. And I live in this system, and I understand that because civil government Presently is not a theocracy. It is not a thing. This is not the kingdom of God that is yet to come. We're not there yet. I understand that. And I believe it. And I accept it. Now someday the Gentile order will get so bad. It will reach its pinnacle, its apex of ungodliness. Such that the Gentile leader will set himself up as God. God. Expecting to be worshiped and Christ will come again. And I know that. I hope and believe and pray that he'll come in my lifetime. He may not. But someday everybody that's ever mistreated their people are going to stand up. In an awful day of judgment. And they'll be judged. I understand that. So I'm taught that the that the way things are, are are there and they are there because they're ordained of God. And I trust God. I trust God. someday they may throw me in jail because the time has already come in so many parts of the world where you can't preach the gospel, can't own a Bible. Even then I would trust God because this is not my home, this is not the kingdom and my day of authority under Christ is coming. I believe that. But I live in this world today and right now there's order and, and, and there's cleanliness and, and, and protection. There are services that, we, that make us comfortable and help us to live a lifestyle that's unlike a lot of Lifestyles in the world. But back to the question on the table Is there ever a time when I cannot? Yes. And that time is when Caesar expects you to render to him that which is God's. God has my soul. Caesar cannot have my soul. God provides my salvation. Caesar cannot provide my salvation. God has my worship in Christ. Caesar cannot have my worship. He cannot have my adoration and praise. God has my adoration and praise. I am made in the image of God. And I will render the things that are God's to God. Peter and John were asked that question, Acts chapter 4. When the authorities said, quit preaching in the name of Jesus. To summarize, they said, no. It's not the will of God. It's not the will of God. So, There comes a time when Caesar has to be reminded by the people of God that the things that are God's belong to God and not to Caesar. But I I need to bring this to a close here. What protects us and helps us to walk the line in living in these two worlds. You know Christ was very careful to say. My, in the present Christ said. This, my, my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Now there's coming a day. When it will be a physical kingdom. Which will then be given up. To the eternal kingdom. But that day is not now. It's not now. It's a spiritual kingdom. I have a king. In my heart. He rules supremely. That king grants me the privilege of being obedient to magistrates and civil servants whose job is, according to the Bible, to keep the peace. To help me live a life that is secure so that I can prosper in the way that I can prosper. But when Caesar tries to invade the things of God, that's when the people of God have to say no, just like Peter and John. Have to say no. That's wrong. It's not in the absolute truth of God. You're presenting something that is counterfeit and a lie, and I cannot stand there in that circle with you. I cannot. Because this is against God himself and his word. That's where we draw the line. We live in these two worlds. And as far as it lies within us, as long as Caesar calls for the things that belong to Caesar. We give it to him. And expect peace in return. But we can never fail to render to God. That which is God's. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. Today, maybe you're here without Christ. Maybe today is the day of your salvation. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus and call on Him to save you. God will save you, draw you to Himself. You'd come to Christ today in a time of this invitation. Would you just step out, come to me, and say, Pastor, Jesus has saved me. Let me pray with you and rejoice with you. Maybe you're here, you're already a Christian, and God leads you to come and be a part of this congregation. You come as well. We'll take care of all the details for church membership. Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word, for the instruction, for the direction that we have that we might live, that we might live peaceable lives, even, even prosperous lives. But God help us in the days that are surely to come, to stand up for those things that are God's that Caesar cannot have. Bless this invitation, Lord. Use it for your glory as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. Would you come?